Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Hey, McLaughlin, why is Cinderella so bad at soccer? I don't know why. She keeps running away from the ball. Anyway, welcome to another edition (laughs) of No More Leadership BS. And this is going to be one of our special episodes because we're going to get to know us one of our members and then today's episode we get to know the inner workings of dr sam jennings so let's get going right away and sam tell us about yourself inner workings that's a big big promise Um, so we've got the whole idea of what careers are and what they're meant to be and mine was in higher education for a couple decades and I uh, ended up moving to be close to family and then realized that maybe higher ed wasn't the only opportunity for me. And I started to unpack what I really loved about higher education and what my specific jobs were, that it was the individual, how do I affect another human being? And started looking at that a little more closely and realized that there's this whole thing out there called coaching that I wasn't aware of. And I thought I was just being a decent supervisor and guidance individual and realized that getting people to make their choices in their best way possible is what I've been doing for 20 years. So maybe I can just do that and not do all the other stuff and really have a a good opportunity to engage folks, hear their story and have them move from where they are to where they want to go. And I dig it. It's just fun to hear people's stories. So what I love about the five of us is that we all come from such different backgrounds and we all have different experiences and different education. Did you take there anything about your educational background that made you go into the field of coaching and working with people? Or is it something that you fell into? Did you go to college and and get your doctorate to teach English or whatever? And you fell into the coaching vocation. It's a big word vocation. That's my, I got my, yeah. (laughs) My my thesaurus toilet paper this morning was working. (laughs) Oh, job, job. Yes. Got it. Yeah. So, so going clear back to when I started college, wanted to go into I was assigned classes in mechanical engineering because my friend did my registration for me because I had no blessing clue how to take care of my own affairs. And that didn't stick longer than a semester. I started moving toward education and went through some various iterations of that and then ended up applying to be a resident assistant or an RA at Blues Park State College. Got that job and it, the people who hired me, some of them left. A new guy came on and a new guy and I, his name's Brad Shade, we should it together. You hit it off marvelously and started realizing that this thing I was doing as an undergraduate was affecting other people's lives. And now I know it's a career path. Are you kidding me? So I did that job for two months and said, this is what I want to do for my life. This is my career. So I started doing that and went through my educational process, dropped the education as a degree, a math degree, and then ended up moving around the country a little bit. You have a degree in math? Yeah, that's my undergrad. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. I had a uh, turned off of a fractal on my morning board when I graduated. Me and a few of my collegial nerd friends. It was awesome. Guy, Guy what's a fractal? 
Isn't it something that only comes out around the holiday time? <laughs> there you go. I it was a thank fancy you. drink or something. But thank you, Geyer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, McLaughlin. Thank you. Go ahead. Sorry. We digress. It's like when you're cooking and you have one half of something, but you need a third. It's a fractal. That's why. That's a fraction. We were going down a path. Math humor. Ended up with these different roles and responsibilities. And every time I was engaged with people in these, whether it was residential life, that's campus housing, or my theater student's role, where I was really thriving was appreciating where that person across from me was coming from, even if it was a conduct situation where they'd done something bad. And some of it just badly was bad. But get them from where they are to understand where their effects can ripple out to and also have them articulate to me what they might do differently. So there's that learning process. So all that wraps up into the coaching aspect because coaching is very much curiosity, asking questions, trying to understand what's this person mean when they say those words? That's It's more than the words. There's something else behind there and what's going on to affect their behavior in the moment. So going back to the education part specifically, I'll wrap this up pretty quick. My doctorate is in education, but specifically my dissertation is about job satisfaction and attrition. So I was affected by my peers who weren't having very high job satisfaction. I was affected by some reading I was doing and I did my own study and realized duplicated basically what other people had already done. I confirmed it that one of the factors at that point that was a main driver of job satisfaction was the relationship with the employer, right? The supervisor. That is basically free to affect that change. So if a supervisor doesn't want to make a change to help engage their employees, why? What are they doing? And for the people who are having less than high satisfaction, what can we do to help them engage differently and be happier at work? We spend so much of our life and our identity, like we talked about the greener image wrapped around work. When I make it as good as we possibly can, it still work, but it doesn't mean it has to be a slog. Obviously, well, Sam, you um, are well-read. You can't reach that level of education without reading a ton of books. So if you had to pick one that made A, the biggest difference in your perspective and B, help the most in your coaching career now, what would you say that is? Oh boy. I refer to Drive by Daniel Pink quite a lot. And um, it's not like it was a book that I go back through with highlighting close quotes from all the time. But a lot of times when I think about what makes people do what they do, of course, there's psychology wrapped up in there. There's behavioral science, behavioral economics. But when you want an accessible, not quite introductory, but an accessible description of how people make their decisions and what gets them motivated, Drive is it. And I can keep going back to that source over and over, talking about you know, when people say, how I get my people to do X, Y, or Z, it's probably not a bigger hammer. There's another level you can pull here and it's not force. Exactly. Yeah. So leaders are readers. We know that. You don't have to have a PhD to get huge value out of books, for sure. When somebody that does have a PhD recommend something, probably should pick it up and take a look at it. So maybe. Just maybe. Yeah. I know I'm being a little bit tongue in cheek, but I do want to address that just really quickly. I was on a, a webinar as a participant probably a year and a half ago. And there were some people from the coaching industry, high flyers and big names. And one of them said they would never hire a PhD to be a coach or do anything else for them. Interesting. I listened more intently and his rationale was, his experience was PhDs, A, think they know a lot and also don't want to be questioned. And that's true for some. But just because somebody with who's all knocked it up as a jack wagon doesn't mean everybody with a PhD exactly. is that same jack wagon. <laughs> so 
I think if, if a person's gone through their whole doctorate process and ends up on the other side as a, uh, frankly, a know-it-all, then they miss the whole point of the process. The whole point of the process is I understood it and I experienced it with to be able to ask a better question and therefore get better results when you ask those questions. And that's what I take mostly from my doctorate program. Plus the research was just fun. Speaking what? of fun, I think that's, as a person with a doctorate, most people think either A, they love school or B, school is maybe not their jam. But I've noticed that of a lot of the PhDs that I know, you are one of the ones that has a wicked fun sense of humor and just this joy and zest for life. And so I was curious as to, do you think that's innate or is that something that you picked up over time working with lots of people? Is that ability to relate to people through that sense of humor? Because a lot of people, I don't know, personally, my experiences are, I've got a lot of people that have PhDs and they're, they are those jack wagons that are just like, I know it all. And you're going to call me doctor. And I'm like, here, yeah, you're a doctor of physical education. I'm not going to call you doctor. Nice try. But you've got a, this great sense of humor, this great ability to connect with people. Was that something that you learned through your RA times? Is that something that you picked up through just working with people? Or is that just a, is it like just innate that you have that ability to really reach people and to associate with them and, and on a personal level? How does that work? I think there's a pretty complex process to get there, but my humor is my humor. I've always liked sophomoric humor. I'm a big Saturday Night Live fan. I like Jim Carrey movies. I like the silly, goofy stuff. It always gives me giggling. So that's part of me that's always there. However, when I was a young professional, I didn't think that was appropriate, right? It's a professional. It's not what you'd be doing. And so I saw a man, I think he was from Boise at a small local conference. And this guy was higher level, right? Director, senior director, VP, whatever it was. And he was a goofball. He was like letting it all hang out. Not inappropriately, but just being silly. Like, now wait a second. If that guy reached that level of his career and also be a bit goofy and a little bit irreverent, I think I see a path here so I can be who I am without being completely rough and be able to have that humor, that comedy, and also that connection. Because like you obviously know, Jeff, I'm telling you things that you live every day. People connect through humor. And I don't use it for that reason, but that is that happens to be where it goes. Fast forward a little bit, doing a presentation last year, and some people kept referring to their workplaces in a particular vernacular, which was perfectly fine. I just choose not to curse too much while being on a recording. So I said that. I said, so if any of you happen to work in a space you might call a fecal festival, then this may be for you. And of course, people are giggling and they start writing down notes. And I told one group this, maybe two, this story. And I heard it came back around at a different conference. People are using that phrasing and for me, protect, I think, because they found it that funny. Just me, I just like, eh, this kind of works and just go for it. But yeah, it landed. So the point of that stupid story is it was good. It, it, there's a good place for it and shows our humanity and our humanness and dig it. And I like other people's humor, even if it's not mine. It's funny. Said, said. And so, so I love a good Pico festival. Right. Who doesn't like to go to a that. festival? Sam, so your clients are mostly comedians or who's your uh, five-star client? <laughs> five-star client. That's an excellent way to, to package that. No, not com- They can be comedians. I'm not going to sort out against that particular demographic, but my people are leaders who lead leaders. So people who have responsibility for other people who also have responsibility for other people. And the reason why I've gotten to that group is because, like I said early on, there's no good reason the workplace should be just a disaster area. Hey, if we can affect culture, not just individual interactions, we're making people's lives better. 
And I don't mean just their work life because if your work life's going well, your life life's probably going well and vice versa. So why not make those 40 plus hours a week good? Let's shoot for good. It would have to be great or perfect, but it doesn't have to be this okay or definitely not bad. So people, leaders who lead leaders, talking about people, let's affect the culture. Let's make sure people have a good experience to the highest degree possible. Yeah, that that's, oh, I, I'm, I go to your website and sign up. Yeah, so that's good <laughs> stuff right there. Dr. Sam, I've gotten to work with not just you over the last, what was, gosh, gosh, like 18 months or so, or 12 months or however long we've been doing this crazy thing. But I've also gotten to work with your lovely wife. And tell us a little bit more about, you know, your family and why you're back here in North Idaho and all the adventures you've had, because you've had pretty, a pretty adventurous life and gone to some really cool, fun places. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely the case. And in at least in student affairs version of higher ed, maybe the whole industry, you know, the phrase, if you want to move up, you have to move out. So that means that once you've outgrown your position or you're ready for a new challenge, it's time to physically move your body to a new space. So I went from Lewiston, Idaho, Portland, Oregon, to Maryville, Missouri, working in South Dakota, to then back here, back here is back to North Idaho. And that whole process, I could learn a lot along the way, a lot about how transitions happen, a lot about obviously the work I was doing, but the, my, my wiser half has worked in education, out of education, small business, that kind of thing. It's not floating, but doing things that make sense for her. So I got two kiddos who, uh, I do not have permission to share their imagery on social media because they don't like social media. So I won't even go into too much detail Smart about man. them. But, but to say I'm exceptionally proud of them for different reasons. They are their own people and they're independent and uh, everything that brings for the positive and the frustration times, <laughs> they get and it's fun to be able to see these uh, humans grow up and start to really not have lives of their own. That's a different, that's weird phrasing, but, um, come into their own. And discover for themselves things they like and things that they prefer to avoid. That do you say you so went to Portland? You went to Portland. Portland. Yeah, actually, I worked at Lewis and Clark College for right. a couple of years, and also got my master's at Portland State. At that, cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I showed up right after the, the Lewinsky Clinton situation. Okay, and uh, which is a nice thing to have missed because apparently that campus was overrun with Portland news State crews and. Yeah, was, no, I'm sorry. Lewis and Clark. Clark College. That's where Mike Lewinsky went. That's right. And apparently the president was praising the employees. Again, this is before my time. This is a story. I'm telling somebody else's story here. But the president said something to the effect of Miss Lewinsky was just a student, just an intern who got more than she bargained for. And he was trying to be heartfelt and sincere. But of course, the 12 year olds took it a different direction and yeah. legally. Um, yeah. But what do you mean? I'm telling you. That, what? <laughs> Google it up and see if I find anything good out of there. Oh, I'm going to Google uh, it up by, right by now. That because <laughs> the people I was working with were coming out of that. And so being able to see them in their transition away from the, this media circus back into regular life, not having to worry about whether they're going to be on camera or not was fun to experience from afar. I wouldn't enjoy being in it. <laughs> That's a fecal festival you didn't want to be a part of. That's the one. I don't exactly. know if I'm ever going to, I'm not, I'm never going to forget that. Probably use it a couple of times myself. I love that. I'm here to serve. <laughs> Absolutely. You are. Absolutely. Here's the other thing is that you do, you serve at such a high level, Sam. So it, when you're working with your clients, I know this is a switching from the personal to the business, but what do you, 
you know, is there a specific template that you use for your coaching process or what's your coaching process like? There is a specific template and this is going to sound counterintuitive and it is unique to the individual. I don't want to believe that I have this 12-step program that fits everybody because everybody's about their own stuff to bring it. So I've described to clients is I'm best, but we can walk together. Ask questions, tell me some stories, talk to what things are working, what things are not working. And as we do that, I start to make connections of the things you're saying, the things are skimming over. And so I get a sense of not the question that they think they want to ask, but the things that are important to them. And so then we start asking about that a little bit and start getting down that path. Of course, I'll honor their questions. I'm not going to just sidestep it, but I may say, you told me your biggest challenge is uh, your boss. And I'm sure you talk a lot more about the people who report to you. So talk about that just for a minute and help me understand how this relationship works. It takes time. And one specific example from this week, I was at a mastermind and we got done and I said, so I may not be the best for the mastermind group because I'm not nearly as direct as a lot of folks are. And it's not good or bad, it's just my style. I said, I'm a long walker. I will take that walk and we'll go. And we'll see what happens. And then once we know that, then we can really get to moving. But I'm not going to be the guy out there on LinkedIn or Facebook saying, I'm going to 10X your business and I'll turn around your profits in 90 days or money back. No, this is a much longer process to really get to the core of the matter, not just say, have your to fix and then pop out. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Life is a process, right? Life's a journey. Right. Yeah. What? You don't want to always rush through things, and some, but you want to take your time to really do quality. And that's what it sounds like you're doing because everything, honestly, this is a shameless promotion for Dr. Sam here, but (laughs) every single time I've had a conversation with you or we've had a chance to hang out, it's been eye-opening and you get amazing things because you are such a great listener and you're a really good question asker. Is that a right, is that the right term? Good question asker? That's that's a technical term. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) And it's always beneficial, always 100% of the time beneficial. Awesome. One thing I, one thing I appreciate about Sam and you each have your own unique appreciation points, but I can always count on Sam to bring a different point of view in a non hostile way. Just a point of view that to to think about, to consider. And I love that about him. I love lots of things about him, but that, that makes me think. And it sometimes it even changes my point of view. Not often, but sometimes it does. But I appreciate that. And I think that's what makes him an excellent coach. I agree. Agree. Absolutely. I think we're coming to the end of our time. And, but like I said at the top of the episode, what's unique about the five of us is that we all come from such diverse back- backgrounds and we bring so many different things to the table. Some of us can collaborate. Some of us do things way differently than others, but most of them, we all want the common goal, which is to help people. And in the time that I've known that Sam, we've known each other about almost two years, something like that, year and a half. I agree with everything everybody said. Sam is one of the good guys and I am fortunate to have him be in my orbit. And that's not a thesaurus word. That's just honest. I am fortunate (laughs) to have you in my my orbit. And I think we all are better people for it. I know this Mm -hmm. is the holiday season and this is not supposed to be a love fest, but Sam, you are one of the good guys. Anybody has Mm -hmm. any questions for Dr. Sam, please email us at askusatleadershipbs.co. Visit us on Facebook at No More Leadership BS. We'd like to hear what you're thinking, hear what you're saying, uh, hear what you have to say. And if you have a question for Dr. Sam, leave it there. 
Until next time, guys, it's good to see you. We'll see you next week. Woo-hoo. All right. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. Have a good week. <laughs> Bye. 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 Oh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS Podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askusatleadershipbs.co. That's askusatleadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.